Today's episode is brought to you by Larson Folkerts, the creator of Let's Love to Cook and Recipe Booklets A Month of Dinner. Larson is a 20-something-year-old wife and mother of two little ones with a passion for cooking and resides on a farm in small-town Texas. She's on a mission to help others love to cook at home by making cooking, dinner in particular, easy, simple, affordable, and approachable. Let's Love to Cook's two recipe booklets, A Month of Dinner, Volume 1 and Volume 2, feature four weeks of dinner and dessert recipes that are healthy, easy-to-make, budget-friendly, kid- and husband-approved, with rave reviews. Her recipe booklets feature weekly grocery list, a pantry staples list, and meal prep tips, so all the hard work is done for you. You just have to cook. The ingredients are accessible for everyone, so it doesn't matter if you shop at Whole Foods or Walmart. Anyone can make any recipe from a month of dinner. Did we mention they're less than $15 each? In this hustle culture we currently live in, cooking dinner at home seems overwhelming and unapproachable to many. Larson's hope is that a month of dinner can help anyone discover or rediscover that cooking can be fun. Let's love to cook. You can get the recipes and learn more at letslovetocook.com and be sure to follow along at Larson Folkerts on Instagram. That's L-A-R-S-O-N-F-O-L-K-E-R-T-S on Instagram. Be sure to check her out. We have Larson to thank for today's episode. everyone. I am Emily Landers, and this is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to our first episode of season three, our first episode of the year. I'm so happy that you guys are here, and I'm so looking forward to you hearing the conversation I have with my friend Riley Sheehy. You all are going to enjoy today's episode. This is a long time coming. Many of my listeners have been very excited to hear Riley's story, so I'm thrilled that we can kick off season three with such a fantastic guest. As you may have noticed, we took a little two-week hiatus at the beginning of the year to get kind of acclimated and ready for the year that's ahead. We had two episodes a week in both November and December, uh, and I'm thrilled that our Tuesday episodes are back. We're back better than ever and ready for season three. Now, I happen to know the lineup and who is coming up on the podcast, and I can confidently say that this might just be our best year yet. We have episodes scheduled through the summer at this point, and I'm so excited for all that's to come. I'm so grateful for the momentum, the excitement around the podcast. It just continues to get better and better, and every step of the way, I'm more excited and more impressed with not only who is in my inbox hoping to join me, but also the recommendations that my amazing listeners send in as well. So thank you guys. Thank you so much for considering HSDT and remembering us while you're out and about sharing with friends, and of course, my amazing guests who take the time to join me. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I'm so excited for all that's ahead. I'm also looking forward to seeing what you are up to while you listen to today's episode of the podcast. Be sure to snap a photo, whether you're grabbing a coffee, perhaps you're out on a walk, snap a photo, tag Riley, tag at How'd She Do That Podcast. And of course, this will be a really fun way to kick off season three. For those of you who have been listening for some time, you'll know we also have a Patreon channel, patreon.com slash how'd she do that, where the true BTS of HSDT lives. There are additional bonus episodes that you guys will get if you sign up today. All of those will be available to you. It's quite the inside scoop as to what it has looked like to create a podcast and then really attempt to make the podcast a business. I'm very candid over there. And of course, we have 
not only audio episodes, general Q&As amongst other things, but we also have vlogs. So video blogs, I will be headed to the Southern Sea in February. So that'll be a fun addition next month. If you sign up today, there's over 40 additional episodes um, that you'll have access to right away. So that's patreon.com slash how'd she do that? A great place to not only enjoy, but also support our endeavors here at HSDT. Well, you guys, I've missed you. I've missed our weekly updates. I've missed our chats. I've missed our episodes. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited about all that's to come. And again, I wouldn't be able to do this without each and every one of you. Heartfelt gratitude, and let's do this. Here's season three. Let's kick it off with Riley Sheehy on How'd She Do That? Today's guest, Riley Sheehy, is a watercolor and multimedia artist and textile designer. Before becoming an artist full-time, Riley taught elementary school art and developed a love for whimsical styles and playful details. Her artwork reflects this childlike view of the world with fun color palettes and an attention to detail that evokes a viewer's curiosity. Riley specializes in watercolor illustrations and surface design and has enjoyed the challenge of expanding her practice to incorporate textiles and wallpaper. Riley lives in Falls Church, Virginia, and when she isn't adding new fabric, art prints, or other designs to her shop, she is likely enjoying time out and about on a run or perhaps with her family, which includes her husband, darling daughter, and dog. Riley, welcome to How'd She Do That? Emily, thank you so much for having me today. I am so, so, so very excited to be here. Um, I'm really excited to chat with you. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, It's been a long time coming, I think. We were mentioning this before we started recording, but I'm such a fan of your work, and I know listeners have been thrilled to to hear your story. So thank you again for your time. Well, I am so excited to kind of dive in. You've listened to quite a few episodes, so you know we love to kick things off with a little bit more about you. So how about this? Perhaps you tell us where did you go to school and what did you ultimately major in? All right. So I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I was the oldest of four children. I still am the oldest of four children. And um, <laughs> I went to an all a small all-girls school in, in Baltimore. And um, I liked high school fine. I was, I would, I would say I was a B plus student. My mom always says that I was a, a minimalist, which means that I would do like kind of the the minimum amount of work that I needed to to <laughs> To get a B plus. Yes. Um, and when it came time to start looking at colleges, as far as majors went, I wasn't quite sure exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to go to a really big, um, fun school. <laughs> and so um, I talked to my guidance counselor, and she looked at kind of what I like. We looked at like the activities that I had done, and I've always loved working with kids. Um, I was a camp counselor. I taught swim lessons. I was um, in charge of my youth group at church. And Mm. I think that um, along with my guidance counselor, we decided that education would be um, a really great path for me. And I also really always have loved art. Um, I was drawing and painting for as long as I can remember. I used to just do that for hours on end when I was little. So um, I decided to major in art education. So I did that at um, University of Maryland and then graduated with my degree in um, art education. Okay. And at this time, this is so interesting because art education, I guess it would be a pretty specific funnel that you're headed towards. But at that time, did you think, okay, I'm going to go into elementary school or middle school, high school? Like, What was your thought process uh, upon graduating? So Emily, that's such a great question because I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this interview. Um, I would say that the first two years of college, I I took education classes, I took art classes, um, and I just like wasn't I wasn't the most serious student. If I could go back now, I like I would go back to college in a heartbeat and take the same classes that I took in college because I think that it would almost be worth so much more to me at this point. 
I think that I wasn't really ready <laughs> to realize what a great opportunity it was. Um, and so I, I had so much fun in college. I, <laughs> um, I joined a sorority. I, um, and I, I loved that. I made a lot of really great lifelong friends. Um, and I think that, you know, for the first couple of years, especially like the, my classes, um, were more something that I wanted to make sure that I got grades that were good enough, but I wasn't super, I wasn't super motivated or super ambitious. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that it took until I started my student teaching my senior year that I started to realize I was like, Oh, I really like this. I really, and then, um, my senior year, I really took everything seriously. And luckily for me, it wasn't too late at that point. (laughs) Um, I was still able to, um, yeah. So I, I, I really, really liked my student teaching, um, I started applying for school to, I started applying for teaching jobs um, the spring of my senior year. A lot of my friends worked, um, they got job, jobs in PR or they were going to grad school. And so they already had um, things set up for, for the next year. And I think that, um, you know, that started making me more and more nervous as time went on. And so I would just apply for more and more jobs. And Mm. it was 2011 and really like not that many schools, uh, definitely, definitely not that many public school systems, but not that many schools in general were hiring um, full-time art teachers. And I knew that um, I needed a full-time job. And so I started kind of opening up um, my, my job search for, for different kinds of teaching jobs as well, outside of just art education. Hmm. Um, I applied for some art gallery positions. I applied really for everything that I could find. And in May, I still didn't have a job. So <laughs> I went home and I worked at the same camp count. I worked at the same summer camp that I'd worked at since I was 14, I think. And, um, um I was working with a bunch of like 13, 14, 15 year olds. And, um, it was, I mean, I, I, it was so much fun. Like I, I've always loved being a camp counselor, but it was also a very, um, humbling experience because, mm-hmm. um, you know, most of my friends were all, they had real full-time jobs. They had moved out of their parents' house and I, um, was living at my parents' house and I was, I had the same job that I had had when I was 14. So that was tough. Mm-hmm. But then, um, super random. This uh, guy who I'd gone to his prom um, reached out and he said that a, the judge, um, the judge who he worked for, his wife was a principal at a school in Bethesda and that she was, um, they were looking for a fifth grade teacher. And this was in, I think it was in like late July. Um, So I emailed the, um, I, I emailed the principal and went to go interview and I just like clicked with the principal right away. Um, And she really kind of gave me, um, gave me a big chance because I didn't have a background teaching fifth grade. My background was in teaching art, but um, I think that the way that she looked at it was a smaller private school. And she was like, you know, a lot of the best teachers we have are people who have come in from either different professions or different, Mm. um, and kind of like, because until you're actually a full-time teacher, you don't really, um, I mean, there's a lot you learn by doing. Mm. Um, so, so that's how I got that job. Oh my goodness. Well, it's so fun to unpack all of those details. And I know that many people, myself included, will be very much um, kind of in sync and and agreeing with what you're saying. I too was not maybe the most studious student in college. And I, I love what you shared earlier, just like I wish that I was able to go back and really recognize what, um, you know, an amazing opportunity it was to be in those classes and to be um, learning. So if you're listening and you're in college and you're thinking, oh, what a drag, stick with it. Really recognize the season that you're in. I love Riley's encouragement there. And two, um, yeah, the timing of this job. I know many listeners who are in that season of life, that post-grad season of life, there's so many question marks around it. Um, And I love that you would share that that 
you know, maybe at the time, obviously in hindsight, there was no timing faux pas. It, it all panned out as it was meant to be, but I'm sure, you know, May, June, you're like, what is happening? And so you do, you step into this role as a fifth grade teacher, correct me if I'm wrong. And then ultimately, is there an art class that you're able to take on or, or what did that route look like? So, and I, yeah, so totally. Um, there was, so I, the first year that I, the, my first year I taught fifth grade um, and I loved it and it was so hard. It's the hardest job that I've ever had, but also, um, and I, it is, I love the job that I'm doing right now, but it was also an incredibly, incredibly rewarding job hmm. um, teaching fifth grade. I think that um, when I was student teaching, I had a bunch of different, I, ha- I taught a bunch of different classes and so I didn't get to know any one group of students. Um, as well as I did when I taught fifth grade and only had the one class. Um, Mm. I will always remember that class. And I just, um, one of the times actually that I always think of them is when I'm taking the, our, our Christmas ornaments out because so many of the Christmas ornaments on our tree are from my different students. And, um, and yeah, it was a great job. It was very, very hard. I learned a ton. Um, and at the end of the year, my the art position at the school opened up and my principal sat down with me and she was like, you know, like, how do you think fifth grade went? And I was like, it's been great. But, um, but when the art position opened up, um, I definitely jumped at the chance to take that position at the school. So I stayed at the same school and then I taught art at that school for five years. So I taught for six full years before going full-time with, um, with art. Okay, this is so exciting. And it's so fun to hear the the behind the scenes and the before all that we know what you're doing now. So you really were able to step into this role. What was your favorite thing about being an art teacher? How fun, how cool to be able to do that? Were you coming up with class projects? Like what did prep even look like um, in that stage of your life? Well, oh my gosh, prep. So (laughs) prep is a lot. I think about this a lot too, because every time you're teaching usually like four or five different classes a day. And for each one of those classes, you have a totally different project you're working on. So um, a lot of it is set up and clean up. And I would say that that was the most difficult part of the job is kind of like the logistics of if you're painting with 20 kindergartners and then oh my gosh, in the next hour, like you're, you're doing something <laughs> totally different. It's like a lot of getting supplies out and it's a lot of kind of thinking about everything at once. And, um, and I, I would say that that, that part was really difficult, but my favorite part by far was just, um, getting to know the students. Like they, I, I, I just love children. I think that there's, I get such a kick out of them. They're so funny. Mm. Um, just kind of getting to know each one of them and um, working on the different projects with them. And, um, you know, kids love art class. And I think that that was the difference between fifth grade, <laughs> teaching fifth grade and teaching art. All Every kid is excited to get to go to art class. It's like the same thing with gym class or music. It's like the mm. special. So Um, I think that it was a lot of, I really got to have fun with the position um, more than I did as a um, fifth grade teacher. And as I was able to kind of have fun with it, and it was a position that I was more comfortable with, um, I think that that kind of opened up the opportunity for me to start working on some of my own artwork again, which is something that I really hadn't done at all um, my first year out of school teaching fifth grade, because I didn't. I, I hadn't had time to do anything other than um, just learn how to be a fifth grade teacher, if mm. that makes sense. I don't know. It does. It does. And two, for you to be able to be in that atmosphere and in that environment, again, that creative atmosphere yeah, totally. and to, to be able to think, okay, now what is it that I could be doing? Um, Riley, you're taking me back to my art classes and I totally agree the energy and excitement to get to art class, to see your art teacher. is so much fun. So I love hearing about this season of your life. Um, but tell me this, because you did just mention something really interesting. You had time, you had the ability to step back into that creative realm, um, something that you were passionate about, obviously majoring in art education in college. What did that look like? What did that kind of opening uh, or thought of, oh, I need to try something again? Was it showing your students how to do something? What, what was it that kind of had your interest peaked again in your own artwork? 
Well, my so my first summer off, so we I had like two and a half months off every summer um, of school. And my first summer off, I never had a summer off since I was like 13, I think. Oh, wow. And so um, my first summer off, I worked at a different summer camp. It was actually the summer camp at the school that I student taught at. Um, I loved that school. It was a lot of fun um, and it was a great part-time job. So I was still able to kind of relax some and um, have a great relaxing summer and feel refreshed for the school year. But then the following summer, um, the camp closed. And so I didn't have anything lined up for my summer job. Mm. And I think that after like a week or two of um, relaxing and the thing is a lot of, I, I have um, a group of my girlfriends are school teachers, but most of them did have summer jobs as well. And then <laughs> my other friends all have full-time year round jobs. So um, after a little while, like you don't really have anything to do when it's just you on your oh, own. So, right. Yeah. So I got out some art supplies and just kind of started messing around with them. And one of the things that I did was, um, well, anyway, I got some art supplies out, started messing around. And I had recently just got in, gotten, this is 2014. I was a little bit late to the party, but I had recently just gotten an Instagram account. <laughs> and so I started just like posting pictures of some things that I was making. And I noticed that a girl that I think that I had gone to college with, I'm not even sure if I knew her, but that she posted something about opening an Etsy shop um, on her summer vacation from teaching. And I was looking and I was like, oh, maybe I could do that. And, but like, I need an idea. I need something that I can make. So um, this is so embarrassing, but I took off like a <laughs> bunch of the artwork that I had like hanging on my walls <laughs> in, my, in my house. And I, um, and then I also this, I also like had this, I thought, brilliant idea to start piece, painting um, mason jars. Oh. Um, so I started painting these mason jars and listing them on, on an Etsy shop along with all this random stuff that I had taken off my wall. And, <laughs> um, and I was like so excited about it. I called it Make Things Co., I made like little business cards. This sounds like something that like an elementary schooler would do, but I was, I was like 24 years old. No, this um, is so literally was, the best. Yeah. So I was really, really into it. And I, I thought it was going to be a really big thing. And unfortunately, um, it wasn't. Nobody bought anything. <laughs> no. but, I did, but I did keep making things and I kept posting them on Instagram Um and I, I, and I, when I say nobody did, I know that my mom will listen to this and she'll be like, I did. And a couple <laughs> of my girlfriends did. And I, so I, I, people definitely did, but it wasn't, it didn't take off in the way that I hoped it would. Right. Um, but then um, I started working in watercolors again once the school year started because I um, could bring my watercolors to and from school with me very easily. And I could work on my little watercolors like after school. And um, I would do that. I would just paint every day, every day after school, I would do a little bit of planning. And then I would paint, take a picture of whatever I was painting and then post on Instagram. And I think that I'd seen some um, image that somebody posted of this like beautiful wedding photo. And I just painted it, posted on Instagram. And I had, um, I think like a couple girls from my sorority, a couple women who I taught with and um, my husband, my now husband's um, friend from work. And they all reached out either via text or DM and they said, Hey, like, would you be able to do this? I'm going to somebody's wedding or my sister just got married. Would you be able to do this? If I sent you a picture of like some of the people in the wedding and the dress and everything. Um, so I had this one kind of like wedding dance image that I would do um, that I probably did like 20 or so different versions of it for different people. Um, and that was all just based on the one Instagram post that people had seen. Oh my gosh. Well, it's always interesting to think, okay, yeah. What was it that kind of got the momentum going? So you are, you, you start to have these updates. And again, this is specifically through social media. And is this, I guess, what, what year is this that you're teaching and you're starting to do this as well? Like, is this your third year of teaching, fourth year of teaching? What does that kind of look like? You're so good because it was my third year of teaching. Well, and there you like, go. <laughs> yes, it, it was my third year of teaching. And, um, and I was just painting on the side and 
I I didn't think of it as a job at all at all. It was something that I was charging much less to um to do these wedding paintings that I mean they were for friends and family. So right. I was charging less than I had I had charged for babysitting in high school and um <laughs> and it was it was just a fun thing. And I think that um but I really, really, really loved making things and creating things. And I don't think that I had realized how much I had been missing that um, my first year out of college and even during some of college when um, I was off doing whatever it was I was doing in college. I don't (laughs) think that I had realized how much it was missing. And I think that it just started to take up like a bigger and bigger part of my life. I know that um, the thing about, and then one of my friends around that time asked me to do her wedding invitations. And the great thing about wedding invitations is that they go to everybody, you know, so if somebody sees them Mm. and they like them, then they're going to reach out as well. So I think that the wedding stuff, um, the first couple of years, what really helped things take off was doing a lot of wedding work, um, a lot of portraiture. And, um, and I just, I, I, I just loved it. I loved it so much that I was doing it whenever I wasn't teaching. And, and then, um, it got to the point where I started doing it during some of my planning periods, which <laughs> I shouldn't have been doing. Um, I I love my principal and she's retired now. And if she's listening to this, um, I think she'll get a kick out of it more than anything else. But I would do it. I, I was just like always I was always painting if I wasn't at work or right. somewhere with my friends and now husband. Oh my goodness. Okay. And you just mentioned now husband. So tell us this towards that end of teaching time or, or slightly before what's happening in your personal life. So, and I think that this actually helps me start or helped me got to get the idea to start a business as well Is that my husband actually, um, so I met my husband in 2013. So a full year before I started the Etsy, the Etsy shop, the make things co. And he told me right when we met, he was a CPA and accountant. And he told me that his dream had always been to open a barbecue food truck. And, um, and I was like, that's so fun. And like, we'd talk about and everything, but then he actually made it happen. Um, I think that in 20 in by 2015, he had opened the the first food truck and I actually worked on it during my spring break. I was really (laughs) bad at it. But, um, (laughs) but anyway, I think that seeing somebody who who I love, like seeing somebody, um, Mm. be able to start a new business and go full time with it was definitely, um, really inspiring to me. And, Mm. um, and he's always been so supportive of me, Mm. of me doing something or me kind of going off on my own and starting my own business. So, um, so that was, that was going on in my personal life. And, and outside of that, I just kept doing like a lot of wedding work and stuff. And I think that, um, eventually, it got to the point, I guess it was 2016, um, like the fall of 2016, where I realized that I really had too much work, too many projects that I had taken on that um, I I couldn't finish them in the time that, that I had in between um, classes at school or after school or before school or on weekends. Um, and so that's when I think I realized that I needed to, I needed to figure something out. It's so fun when we get to this point in the story. And I know lots of people too can relate to juggling a full-time role and that passion project and the the thing that they really loved and enjoyed. So you were doing that for many years and I love hearing about making things co. So tell us this, you're looking at your time and all that you're doing and you're realizing, okay, this is not going to pan out. This is not going to work. I am overloaded and I need to take this next step. What did that look like? Did that look like reaching out to previous customers or at that point you had enough that you were able to step forward? And was this specifically within the themes of weddings at this point? So these are all great questions. And it was most, at this point, I was still mostly doing, I was still mostly doing wedding work, but um, I was also posting on the side, like a lot of Oh, and I forgot like a big part in the story, which is earlier in 2016. (laughs) Um, In earlier 2016, it was the summer of 2016. I think at that point I had realized this is before I had, this is before I really had enough work to make it full time, but I really wanted it to make it full time. And I really wanted to work in a creative role. And it's, if you've majored in education and you want to do something other than Mm. teaching, 
Um, it's really, really hard. It's hard to, as, if, especially when you're applying to jo- to other jobs. Mm. Um, you know, I've never taken a business class. I've never taken, uh, there are so many different things that like, I just, I know a lot about teaching, but, and, and I think that people just aren't as like different companies aren't as receptive because they just don't. Right. I don't know. It's just, it's hard. I think that, um, I think you said that at the beginning that like a teach teaching is a pretty like straight it's a pretty like straight um, path. And so um, I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I, I knew I wanted to do something creative and I loved the anthropology display windows. Yes. Um, That's probably not what you thought I was going to (laughs) say. I really love the anthropology display windows. And I think that I saw a woman working on one and I was like, Oh, I could do that. Maybe like that could be my full time job. Um, And I went, and I interviewed at several anthropology stores and I was, I think in my head, I was still just like, how can I do something creative? And yeah. I just didn't know how to do it um, or what to do. And I think that, um, you know, I just like really admired the branding at anthropology and all of that. So I, I thought that, I think that I thought in my head that maybe somehow for working on the display windows, I would be able to eventually like work in like the creative part of I had definitely in my head made up a lot of stuff. And so um, I was offered a job and they were like, the only way that we can make this is a full-time job is if we put you right to a manager, which is so nice. Um, And I never worked in retail before. And I only worked in retail for a day because I could not handle it. I I couldn't handle it all. It was um, way too hard for me. It was, I, I, like remember that they came in, the person I was working with was so kind. And she came in after I'd been, I was supposed to like count the money from the night before. And I think that it had taken me like an hour and I still just kept like starting over again. But that was really humbling because I think that, um, it made me realize that, um, that I can't do everything. And, but also I think that, um, even though I knew that, even though I knew at that point that that wasn't going to be like kind of my big career change, I, I still, I still felt like there was probably going to be some way for me to make, um, being, or for me to somehow like kind of break into a creative industry. So, Mm. um, the only reason I say that is because I feel like that's kind of, (laughs) I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people maybe have stories like that. And, um, and also, I don't know, I think that it's hard sometimes to break out of, but just because you major in something in college or um, start out with one career, I think that it do- it doesn't mean that um, you can't break into something else. And it, even if maybe the first one doesn't work out. Mm, it's such a great example. And I love that you've given quite a few because it's going to be fun to dive into all that you're doing now. But these are amazing examples of being able to say, okay, I know for a fact that I'm creative. I know for a fact that I'm good at this. I did not major in this to your point earlier, no yeah. business classes. Of course, we would now count you as a businesswoman and artist with all that you've built. So to hear about these steps along the way, it's just so encouraging and so fun to unpack. And of course, we can all see your hand um, being willing and able to jump into that anthropology window. I mean, that's that's such a great um, connection to your current styles. And I think, I think, well, for one, they would be lucky to to have you have you now, given well, the <laughs> yeah, given all that you've done. But it's just so cool. It's so fun to unpack. So thank you because every single step along the way in your journey and throughout your career, I mean, to this point, it's like, okay, here we go. Cause this is really uh, where a lot of people know you now, but to have this back end, it's so cool. So again, thank you. But it is really fun because at this point, earlier in 2016, you try out this anthropology role. You're like, absolutely not. But then there is a a timeframe and a moment that you think, okay, it's time. I need to step out and and do this. So what did that look like for you? Are you stepping out, leaving education, going into being an artist full-time under Make Things Co.? Are you rebranding at that point? What did that kind of launch look like for you? Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you for being so kind and for getting me back on track. Also, I, um, yeah, so I think that basically what happened is that that spring, I went part-time teaching. Um, my principal was oh, so understanding okay. about, and she really helped me move my schedule around just so I could see what it looked like. And she was like, she was so nice. She was like, if it doesn't work out, like, you know, like we're, 
we're obviously here and we can make you full time again next year. But if it does work out, that's great for you. So I think that, um, and then I just sat down, I looked at my bookkeeping sheets that I'd done on Excel. I looked at them with my now husband. I looked at them with my parents, um, just made sure that I had like six months of salary saved. Um, so smart. And made sure that I could pay for my bills. And I think that that's, that's eventually, I looked at how much, how many projects I would need to take on each month in order to pay my bills. And when I saw that it was something that I could do, um, I decided to go, I, I went to my principal then that spring and decided to go full time. Oh my um, gosh. It's so crazy to think about you taking that step and taking that leap of faith. Now, at this time, are are your projects mostly online? I mean, you had built a really awesome client base. And of course, we know what you're doing now. You're doing wallpaper. You're doing textiles. Of course, you didn't start there. Um, but what were some of those earlier projects that really um, kind of was the wind beneath your sails, so to speak? I think so up until 2019, I think early 2019, so for the first, so for the first two years working full time, I still was mostly doing portraiture and um, and wedding work, and then it eventually got to a point where um, I think that in 2018 I um, got my first kind of like big repeat client, and oh, wow. um, they're my longest term, and I love them so much. It's um, a bar restaurant in New York called Dante. Oh my gosh. Um, and so I started doing artwork for them and they told me at the beginning, they were like, we have a lot of artwork for you to do. And I don't think that I could have imagined how much artwork a bar and restaurant would have, but, <laughs> but it really has been a ton. Um, and that was really helpful because, you know, um, I hadn't had something steady for a very long time. Um, wedding work is one time. Um, hopefully, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that um, portraiture usually is a one-time project as well, and so I think that having something a little bit more steady was really, really helpful. Um, and I think that also when people would go to Dante and when they'd see the coasters or my artwork somewhere, then they would um, they would reach out and they'd be like, and then so I think that it got me working with some different businesses and brands and opened me up to that. And I think that. Um, I started to realize that there's a little bit more creativity sometimes that you can be a little bit more creative sometimes with the business and brand work um, than with something like portraiture. Um, you don't want to get too creative with somebody's portrait um, <laughs> because it's inappropriate. But, <laughs> but I think that um, it, I, I, I found myself really loving that kind of work. And also it's just so nice having a repeat client, like somebody wow. comes back again because when they keep coming back again. You've worked with them before. They know what to expect. You know what to expect. Um, so in 2019, I made the decision um, that I was not going to take on any any more wedding or personal work, and I was going to try and just do brand work. And I think that that was that was a big a big jump, and I was really scared about that um, because I was like, what if um, what if people get mad at me, or what if <laughs> yeah. or what if um, I'm not able to make this work and and I think that um, just kind of after talking to some friends and family, they were like, if you can't make it work, then you can just go back to to doing wedding and portraiture. And, and you still loved that. It's just that. Um, so that was a big change. It's so funny, too. I love that you would share that, that sometimes the people around us remind us of the most glaringly obvious things within our businesses, yeah, but totally. we don't realize it. it. I totally relate to you. It's like, if I do this, this is it closed door, hard stop. I am forever committed to this. And people around yeah, you are like, totally. you can just go back to weddings if you need to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is really cool because even as we're chatting, there's some brands coming to mind that I know you have since worked with. So 2019, you really take this plunge into a very specific kind of realm of, okay, this is going to be the, the, pieces that I'm going to be able to do more of these projects, I should say, are the ones I'm going to be able to do more. We're going to be able to work together long-term, like you've said, even with restaurants and, and many other brands. What did that 
kind of snowball effect look like for you to get new clients? Are brands kind of highlighting you? Are you showing up on folks' social media accounts? Like, because I know, and you can tell us some of the brands you've since worked with, I'm, I know the names of them. I'm thinking of quite a few. They're quite, I mean, they're amazing. It's very impressive, your, your clients that you've worked with since then. But what did that snowball look like? Well, thank you very, very much, Emily. I think that um, I feel like I feel like it happened very gradually. I feel like a lot of it was through social media. Hmm. I I feel like it was when I would work on a project with a certain brand, they would maybe tag me in it and in the project, and then um, and then maybe another brand would reach out to me. And I think that um, I I feel like especially in 2020, like during, and I know that this is a whole year in the future, but like thinking about early 2020, especially when everybody was on their computers and on their phones all the time because we weren't going anywhere. I think people were spending a lot more time um, networking on their phones Mm. instead of in person. So even though I'm, I'm not in New York city and even though I'm not in LA, which are sometimes I think um, I'm probably sounding old, but like the places where, <laughs> where like, I, I think I would have imagined in my twenties, like I would have imagined those would be the places where I would meet potential clients and everything. Of I course. Think that I was kind of like, um, interacting with these people through, um, like on DM and, um, and I think that that also like just social media, I think was, um, was a huge kind of like networking tool, um, for me during during that time. And I do think that it's just, um, if you're working with a brand and the project goes well and the brand's happy with it and you're happy with it. Um, and it's, it's always really nice when they share the name of the artist that worked on it. And, um, and so I think that like kind of by word of mouth, but also through social media. Hmm. Well, it's so cool to hear. And like you said, in 2020, people are on their phones, they're seeing your work, they're thinking, oh, we need Riley to come and do this, come and do that, come assist with this. So to know that that year was one of, of great growth for you, um, which I know personally that was the case um, for you. And then two, you're then, I mean, it, it feels a little bit like off to the races. So in 2019, you were able to say, okay, I'm going to let go of what I've done in the past that was very successful, but not as lucrative as what I'm seeing other options are going to be for me. At what point are you then incorporating textiles and wallpaper? Because your your product list has just blown up in the last, I would say maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, two, three years? Yes, but that's all, Catherine. No, I, <laughs> So in 2020, I think that and I've heard a lot of small business owners, especially if you work in like the e-commerce area or if you do something that's not like a physical store, I think that um, a lot of people's businesses just kind of really took off in different ways, which is um, it's so strange to think about because obviously like we were kind of emotionally like in this mm. state of um, of like such anxiety. And but so it was kind of like a weird juxtaposition, I think would be the word. Yeah. Um, as I felt like my business was taking off, but also like there was just so much anxiety. It was like the world was in, was all over the place. So Mm. out of nowhere, I think that like, just like my print sales really, I had been selling prints, um, on Shopify. I'd switched from Etsy to Shopify and my print sales kind of really just really like escalated. And it got to a point where, um, I needed to hire somebody for packaging and shipping to help me with packaging and shipping. And, um, so I put out in summer 2020, I put out kind of like a a job ad on Instagram and just said, you know, if you'd like to apply, it will be eight to 12 hours, um, a part-time job. And I got more applications than I really would have imagined that I would have. I talked to some really wonderful um, women. And then I talked to one woman, um, Catherine, who's my now full-time studio manager. Wow. Um, and I just like remember talking to her and within the first couple of minutes of our conversation, I was like, it is like so lovely to speak with you, mm. but um, you are like tremendously overqualified for the position that I have to offer right now. And we kind of talked about it and I realized in talking to her that I was like, well, like the kind of position that I could see you in is a position that I would love to be able to offer. Um, wow. So I think we were just kind of like, she was at a point right in her life where she was able to take on a part-time position right then. And I think that 
you know, as soon as I hired her and we started working together, um, like something like wallpaper and fabric, I had always wanted to do it, but it was never something that I would be able to do on my own. I would have to um, research manufacturers. I would have to go through the sampling process. I had to figure out how to market it and photograph it and do all of that and distribution. Um, and I, she, and I, I mentioned to her that I would love to do wallpaper and fabric maybe in 10 years. And, wow. you know, within the next couple of days, she had put together like this <laughs> docu. She really made herself mm. indispensable right away, right off the bat. And I think that um, through working through working with her, um, I've just in so many ways, different ways, been able to uh, build my business and build my brand in a way that I couldn't have done it on my own. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm so I, I, like, it's making me like feel like all warm and fuzzy talking about it right now, because mm-hmm. from that initial conversation, the conversation that we had where I was like, I'm not able to offer that position right now. I hope right now that like, I am able to offer that position. That, <laughs> um but I think that it's just, it's really, um, I think having somebody else who maybe has a lot of, or who has a lot of strengths where I have weaknesses, mm. um, who I can work together really well with, um, day in and day out, that's been, um, hugely instrumental mm. and it's so sweet and everything. Oh yeah. And it's so sweet too. And, and just a quick side note, Catherine and I, I've been on a walk with Catherine in my ears. We we've talked on the phone. She's fabulous. She's amazing. And your whole team, I mean, both of you, you guys are kind of the dream team to be able to step out and to do so much together. And like you said, Hey, I hope, you know, potentially textiles and wallpaper, maybe this is something I can do in 10 years, a few days later, your team members coming back and saying, no, I'm pretty sure we can kick this off, you know, next month or whatnot. So it just goes to show in my opinion, opinion. Um, gosh, yeah, your um, eye for great quality candidates and then your leadership too, to be able to say, hey, this is the momentum that I'm looking for. This is where we're headed and, and this is what I'm hopeful to do. So it, it's just so fun. And it's so fun to be able to unpack all of the different seasons of your career from elementary school, art, education, then stepping into a season where you're working, but also doing this on the side, then into full time, and then to see all of the brands you've worked with um, since then. I, I would love to know, what would you say has been a real wow moment for you? in your career? I think that like my biggest wow moment that I can think of is that um, this past year was the first year that we released several um, original artwork collections, which is different than what I've done in the past, which is just kind of here and there. It was very intentional. Um, I like did a lot of planning for it. Catherine helped me a lot with the marketing and um, I worked all summer on this collection. I called the play series and it was just like a bunch of like little odd projects that, um, that I just had so much fun working on and they were very, um, I don't know. I just had a lot of fun working on them and I was very nervous though, because I had no idea how they would be received. I spent so much of my summer working on them that, um, and, um, we ended up, we launched it in September and everything, um, sold out that day, which I was so excited about and so shocked by, to be honest. (laughs) Um, and so like Catherine got champagne and we, we toasted while we were, while I was writing thank you notes and we were packing things up and Mm. I was just crying because I was so like just overwhelmed with gratitude. Um, Mm. I think that just, I was so overwhelmed with gratitude for all the people who had supported the collection. And also because, um, I had had so much fun working on that collection mm. and, um, the, the fact that it was, I mean, it makes, it made me realize that, it, um, I can, I can keep doing that type of work if that makes sense. Mm. Oh, it does. It does. And, and yeah, for you to see the success of your work, the success of your team and, and what you guys have created and it's all gone in one day. I mean, that's, pretty amazing. Uh, and I'd love to know too, and this is a question I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on. I'd love to know what is perhaps the greatest lesson you have learned? Um, I think that there, (laughs) there are so many, um, different lessons. I think that, um, like number one, that it's just, it's okay to change the type of work that you do. Mm. Um, just because you start with something like, um, like wedding work doesn't mean that that you're tied to that for, for the rest of your career. Or if you start out as an elementary school teacher, you can always become an artist. Mm. (laughs) Um, 
like setting boundaries and being able to be upfront with people when you know an opportunity isn't a good fit. Um, I think I'm always afraid of hurting people's feelings or being difficult to work with by setting guidelines up front or sending over like a long detailed contract. Um, Mm. But realizing kind of at the end of the day that that I'm the only one who's going to advocate for myself and um, nobody's going to fault me for that. Mm. Um, And then just being intentional and kind of growing slowly versus like versus trying to do everything at once. Um, Kind of just being as thoughtful as you can about the things that you say yes to, because um, anything that you say yes to, you're, you're taking away room for, for something else. And so it has to be something really mean, meaningful. Mm. So that's a couple of different things, but there have been, <laughs> I could, <laughs> I could write you a whole long essay about all the things that I've learned. Well, and each, I'm still learning. Yeah. So in each one of those, I'm like, yes, yes. Have, haven't learned all of those, but I love that you would share uh, in detail and, and that you would share so much of your story with us today. It's been so fun to unpack and, and so encouraging for me. And, and I know too, given all of your mini projects and all that you're up to, surely there's something fun upcoming. How about this? You tell us what's next for you. Well, um, we're really excited. We just planned out actually all of 2023, which I've oh never done in advance. And I'm sure a lot of things will change, but we're planning on doing um, two original artwork collections, a new wallpaper and fabric collection in the summer. And then in March, I'm really excited. Um, We're going to do a sample sale. Um, We cleaned out my office and found like over a hundred different pieces of artwork from when I first got started. Oh my gosh. And we're going to list them in March and do a little sample sale. I think that'll be really fun. I always love shopping artists, sample sales. And um, I know that Catherine really does too. So it'll be I'm excited about him. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, we will be staying uh, posted on that. How exciting keeping that in your calendar, ladies. Well, Riley, this has been so much fun. And I am curious, is there anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to? I I truly don't think so. I think that um, I am just so appreciative of you kind of keeping me on track. And, um, <laughs> even as I've gone off on tangents and just so much, just thank you so much for taking your time today to, to chat with me. This uh-huh. has been so exciting and, um, definitely a real, a wow moment for uh-huh. me as far as my job goes. Oh, uh, well, and likewise, and, and your support and Catherine too, I mean, both of you, the, the support that you've given me, I mentioned this earlier, the wind behind your sails at one point in one season of your career, but you both have been that for me as well. So I, I'm, I'm so grateful for you. And, and I know too, Many listeners likely already uh, follow you. Perhaps they're checking out your shop. Maybe they're going to add some wallpaper, a textile to their cart. Um, But you tell us, where can listeners connect with you? Yeah, so you can find me at either my website, which is um, www.rileysheehy.com or um, on Instagram, it's just at Riley Sheehy. Okay, amazing. And that is S, let's see, S-H-E-E-H-E-Y, correct? Yes, thank you so much. Okay, perfect. Oh, well, you all have to check out Riley's amazing work. And again, I'm so grateful that you would take the time to share your story with us today. Thank you, Riley. Thank you, Emily. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to our first episode of season three, brought to you by letslovetocook.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week for a new episode. We will talk to you soon.